0: Welcome back to Coach Cuts Corner. Today in the studio, I have Coach Modaf and Joe McDonald. Coach Modaf is our recruiting coordinator and hops on here fairly often with me. Joe owns the Capital City Kingdom in Lansing, and it's a baseball and softball training facility that has a lot of really good people working there along with a ton of technology like Soto, hit tracks, 10 tunnels, full infield and workout area. I first met Joe a few years ago when I arrived to Lansing and we were looking for a place we could practice in the winter months. I was told about this great indoor facility just minutes from campus and how incredible of a person Joe was. Today you will hear our full interview as we dive deep with Joe McDonald as life is just too short for small talk. Here we go. Hello, friends, and welcome to Coach Cut's Corner.
1: Streaming bright from Michigan's capital city, this podcast is dedicated to helping you better understand the who, the what, and the why of mental performance, personal growth, and Lansing Stars baseball. On the line. Coach Cut's Corner, brought to you by Eyewash. In collaboration with Lansing
0: Community College. And now here's your host, Stephen Cutter. The The pride of H.H. Dow High School and Western Michigan baseball alum who once led his team in sacrifice hits, Joe McDonald. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Coach. Absolutely. Coach Moe, you doing well?
2: Doing great. Thanks for asking.
0: So I, I brought up the high school stuff a little bit. Does that take you back at all? long ways. Yeah. Getting old now. What's uh what what's you know you were honorable mention all state. I think you hit or a little over north of 500 your senior year, so you could rake a little bit.
3: Every once in a while I get lucky.
0: Okay. Um what what stands out about your uh high school days? Um honestly what stands out the most to me about the high
3: school days are I mean the baseball's always fun. Live for mm-hmm. that, but the relationships, the coaches, the the mentors that I had growing up. Time I spent working in facilities, and I liked the work part. So all that stuff to me kind of built a solid ethic for for moving forward into college. And
0: did you have good high school teams?
3: We were okay.
0: Okay, who was we, we, the, who we was the best? We
3: were better when I was younger than. Who a, was the best older. team
0: in that area at that um, time?
3: Bay City Western always had a really good team,
0: and they uh, they had quite the coach over there too, right? And he's still there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. He's been there a long time now.
0: And um, any relation? Nope. Okay. Spelled different. Doesn't it count. is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And then you had uh you probably you played with your brother as well?
3: Not in high school. Okay. He was four years younger than exactly
0: me. Exactly four. Okay. So
3: I never got to play with him until we got to Western.
0: And then uh you transitioned to Western Michigan University. And what was you played four years there? What was what was your experience like there? What stands out? I loved Western. I loved the school. Going through the recruiting process, being that
3: close to Central and Mount Pleasant, okay, growing up, that kind of was like mm-hmm. my dream school. Started going on recruiting visits and trips, and uh, went down to Kalamazoo and just kind of fell in love with the with the school, the facilities. Met a couple of lifelong friends right away on my recruiting trip. I really, really enjoyed enjoyed Kalamazoo and the time there.
0: So CMU was kind of the the spot that you were thinking you wanted to go though.
3: Growing up. Okay. Yeah, growing up. And then just as plans change, you know, I, I went on a couple other visits and, and just decided that Western was a spot I wanted to be at. So you were an outfielder in college. Were you an outfielder in high school? I was an infielder in high school. Okay. And I actually, my freshman year at Western, I went in as an infielder and we were pretty loaded up. So the quickest way for me to get on the field mm-hmm. was going to probably be to jump positions and when you know i had a pretty good fall my sophomore fall the coaches asked if i'd be interested in you know trying to get in the lineup sooner and as a player i just wanted to play of course so so it made it a real easy transition for me Mm -hmm. it was probably a circus watching it at first but (laughs) (laughs) figured it out fairly fairly quickly
0: and were your teams pretty competitive at your time as a bronco
3: yeah especially the first couple of years, even into my
0: junior year. Who was the coach at that point?
3: I went in with Fred Decker, Okay, um, yeah. who's now in the Hall of Fame. He got elected in the Hall of Fame down here at Lugnuts this past summer. Mm-hmm. After my freshman year, he, I think that was his 30th year as the head guy and maybe like 38 or 39 years total in the program. After my freshman year, unfortunately, he retired. Um, and then we had Randy Ford, who okay. was a Western alumni. Yeah, he's um, a...
0: Yeah. He's a coach for Kellogg. Yeah, Kellogg, yeah, yeah. the yep. Bruins.
3: Yep, <laughs> Yeah, he came in after my freshman year.
0: Okay, all right, good stuff. Um, men's League MVP, uh, <laughs> from what I'm hearing. Um, you, so you play in the Men's League. I just had uh, Woody on. We talked a lot about uh, different things, but the Men's League certainly did come up, and sure. you're pretty active in that league and uh, somewhat legendary from some, <laughs> some of the people I've talked to about you. So do you still find the game is... Still the same, even though you're a little bit more sore the next day? (laughs) A lot more sore the next day.
3: Yeah, it's still the same. Um, It's still getting out there with some of your buddies and just playing ball and having fun. Obviously, now it's a little less demanding, stressful. And when you want to pull up for a double, you Mm -hmm. pull up for a double. So that changes things a little bit. Um, But now just getting out and playing the game still and um, doing what I do with the baseball kingdom. It's kind of my time to just go out and play. And not mm-hmm. worry about running the, running the program, running a team. Um, it's just being a kid and playing for a couple hours with your friends again. Yeah. So, uh,
0: obviously, our home field is Kircher Municipal Field, and and that's where you play your men's league games. Can you kind of talk on that field a little bit and how it's uh, it's been around a long time, and how long have you been playing on that field? Oh
3: probably for the past 10 years i know even when i was playing summer ball down in kalamazoo uh, my freshman year we would come up and play oh really Um, they would host tournaments and stuff there yeah so it's it's been a long time the last 10 years or so i've been on it more for like men's league and stuff here and um it's it's made drastic improvements since uh since you guys have moved out there and started getting some of the things done that kind of needed to be done and Um, the upkeep and maintenance throughout the year and honestly having more games played on it it's kind of like a car it needs to Mm -hmm. be driven it needs to be taken care of and and uh, I've seen vast improvements over the last few years on it
0: yeah it's it's a beautiful home for the stars and it also takes a lot of work and Mm -hmm. just yesterday I was you know we're in uh, the cold months now and I was mowing the, the in the outfield you know and we're putting dirt on the infield and bringing you know the baselines up and doing all that stuff right now so it's about the only time you you, of the year that you can do it that it's not being used so it's constant work in progress but through all that a lot of people get to enjoy it and you know use it and definitely I know like guys in the men's league extremely appreciate you know the work that's went in there so it's pretty cool owner of capital city kingdom where did that vision come from Well,
3: kind of a, kind of a winding road. I grew up obviously playing in and out of facilities. When I was a kid, the facility thing was just kind of starting. And I remember a close friend of mine, his uncle actually started one in Midland, a small one, you know, facility with just a couple cages in a throwing lane. What was it called? Um, Mid-Michigan School of Baseball. Okay. Okay. And I remember uh, the first time I walked in there, you know, I thought I had died and gone to heaven. Mm -hmm. Coolest Mm -hmm. thing of all timing, play baseball year round. So I was in and out of facilities a lot growing up, preparing for college. And then once I got through school, um, started helping out with a facility down in Kalamazoo for a few years, actually built a pretty solid client base from the Lansing area that would travel down to Kalamazoo. So obviously once I got to the point where, you know, it was either find a real job or do something Mm -hmm. on your own, I knew that this area was kind of in need of something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So after a lot of hours searching and looking and business planning and prepping found a facility that I thought would work. And here we are today.
0: Nice. Nice. How much has the family changed your perspective on everything?
3: A lot. I mean, just based on when I first started, I was in there for, gosh, I don't know, 60, 70, 80 hours a week sometimes. (laughs) Um, Now with three little ones. I have to find time to get out. I have to separate myself from it a little bit, and uh, it was hard at first with the first little one or two. But uh, now I just know that it's a it's a necessary evil of the business, and I and I and I got to spend time and be home with them too. Yeah. So.
0: And you you have more people in there working now, mm-hmm. you know, more at least than I've seen in the last couple of years. So yep. obviously that helps with the whole aspect of being able to get out. And you're really only as good as the people that you have around you. Correct. You know, and so you want to talk about that a little bit because I know you've got a lot more technology now and lessons and trying to do, you know go into some different avenues you also have i've seen football stuff in there yep. with is that the former spartan quarterback that's running that it is okay ryan van dyke um
3: yeah. <laughs> he started a few years ago doing some quarterback training and stuff in there and now we've even branched out um with some of our turf stuff for off times in lacrosse yep. and lacrosse okay. and um seven on seven trainings and stuff like that so it's really kind of grown in spots where i never thought when i started the business that it Mm -hmm. would but the whole scheme of sports in general at the youth ages has changed a lot since even i started
0: billion dollar business so yeah yeah.
3: and every sport now is you know trying to work out train year round and you know the facilities and and places to be able to do that are kind of limited
0: in the mid michigan area Mm -hmm. it it is pretty limited Mm -hmm. you know the next thing would be somebody to do a dome again, you know, I mean, that's, that's really the, probably the next thing in this area being that it's centralized. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, very very interesting. Now, like I said, you've got some new instructors, and mm-hmm. it seems like you somewhat have a pipeline into to Michigan State, which I know there's a lot of confusion when you walk up to your front desk because you've got an oar from Western <laughs> Michigan for row the boat, and then there's a Michigan State football helmet, and there's just a weird thing going on in there. But um, you know, is is that been a pretty good relationship? It has been,
3: and uh, yeah, with the with the Michigan State and Western, mm-hmm. and we don't discriminate. Okay. I've uh, <laughs> I've I've had. Several teams go through the program, our King's program now. um, We've had several kids that we've sent to Western Michigan, Mm -hmm. Central Michigan, Michigan State. So a couple of the guys that I used to have played for me on our King's travel team that grew up with me um, went and played at Michigan State. And being that it's local, um, have connections and ties to the program. So it's made it a really easy transition to get some of those guys over there, help them out while they're going through school, let them. Make a little bit of money on the side yeah, while they're still playing.
0: That's, that's awesome. Speaking of transitions, you, you know, are you kind of on the board now that Central is just a better baseball program than Western at this point?
3: <laughs> <laughs> in the recent years, it yeah. has been. Yeah. Um, I'm, and, I'm just and, kidding. And, and, and yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it's cyclical, you mm-hmm. know, and all Very sports. Much so. And there's a lot of coaching changes and stuff all the time, so that always affects things. And yeah. um, a program that's good today in ten years maybe on a different path mm-hmm. or, or vice versa. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Most of it's based on leadership Mm -hmm. stars, baseball. I want to talk on that a little bit. The last few years have been a little crazy for, for me when I, when I think about stars baseball and just from my viewpoint, looking back, um, it's, it's been definitely nuts. Love seeing you at some of our home games, you know, following along when, when we get back, you're commenting on how this person did or, you know, wondering why this person played so bad (laughs) or whatever. Um, What's what's it look like from your perspective when I say it's been wild the last couple of years? What's it look like from yours? Because you see you see our team in the cold months. You, you see them in the warmer months, too, as at least the position players are in there quite a bit. Um, you've known a lot of the guys for, you know, at least a couple yeah. years, some of them for a little more than that. What, what's it look like from your vantage point? First of all, with that stuff, it's really cool to be able to
3: get to know some of these guys from kind of all over the state. Some of mm-hmm. the kids that, you know, I coached against in the summer with our teams and um, to see them and then meet them. And, you know, more than just a player, be uh, the young adult that they are and mm-hmm. and even watch them develop and stuff kind of uh, once they get into this program as opposed to like a high school program. And it's it's really interesting entertaining to watch them kind of navigate through their first year or two of college and uh, develop as a player and a person really Mm -hmm. so it's fun it's fun to say the least to watch some of these kids you know grow up and Mm -hmm. keep playing baseball after high school
0: coach mo what was your uh, first impression when you saw the kingdom for the first time
2: i think it was uh was
0: i with you at that point did we go over there or was no
2: i think it was honestly like the first rainy day we had okay when I stopped over there for the first time and it was uh it was great because you know coming from um, you know a, a junior college that did the typical gym floor workouts right
0: the single cage that mm-hmm. comes down from the ceiling and then yeah. and
2: then mm-hmm. coming from another school that had a, a really nice indoor training facility but only had two cages that we could really use it's like wow this has already had and knowing mm-hmm. the resources that the kingdom offered and just kind of our vision it was like yeah they were gonna get a lot out of it so it's, it's kind of a, a perfect I guess unison yeah. of what they offer and and I guess what what we're provided with
0: yeah I truly believe that the kingdom is part of the reason why we've had so huge, much success huge you know just because of the size of it and the the things that we can use on a daily basis helps us get better and if we didn't have something like that and we were stuck to one cage it's not that we couldn't still be semi-efficient we're just gonna miss some stuff and so really having it is is an absolute blessing i remember the first time i walked in there to meet joe he told me that he had just a little bit of time in between lessons or something yeah yeah yeah. and i walked in there and if you can imagine if you haven't seen it it's it's green walls everywhere and i was just like we got to get these painted royal blue i mean this (laughs) got to change a little bit but no i
2: think something that comes up pretty consistently on visits is uh parents asking you know what what do you guys do on days where it rains you know mm-hmm. what do you guys do anything it's instead of practice the or same thing that we do said, when it's no, sunny out. Said, yeah. we, we've been here three years now and we've never missed a practice and yeah. because of the kingdom and, and all the amenities they're able to offer us whenever we need it so
0: you have a travel team that or yep. are travel teams that play out of there is it just baseball
4: we, we
3: run out of the kingdom. Our Kings teams are just baseball.
0: How, how come you didn't dive into the softball
5: world? Um,
3: we do have several softball programs in the area. That practice. That practice. That practice in the there, facility, yep. yeah. Um, train throughout the winter and, and, and crummy months. It's just one of those things where we've kind of done well with the model that we've been at with our travel teams. And to me, coming from a couple other facilities and having had worked at them, it wasn't about like putting together the most teams possible. It was about the quality of kid, the quality of experience, um, and putting together enough so we could get our name and our brand and and the facility's name out there, but not just doing teams to do teams and not getting everybody the same opportunities as the next
0: team. Are your teams, do you feel like they're pretty competitive?
3: We've been pretty competitive, yeah. Um, You know, we'll do a lot of the college showcase tournaments and stuff throughout the state and We've had pretty good success in a lot of them. Um, To me, it's not necessarily for the summer ball stuff how many tournament games or how many tournaments we win throughout Mm -hmm. the summer. If we do well and we're developing players and we've got everybody on board. We'll win our games. We'll, we'll be successful in the tournaments. But to me, it's preparing kids for the next level or for the opportunity to play after high school. Um, that's, that was always kind of my grand scheme of, you know, the whole facility and running the travel teams and stuff like that. Hopefully they're to the point when they get through high school that they can get a look from the stars, you know?
0: (laughs) Now it's kind of been said that parents are a little more excited when it comes to travel ball and even high school sports than what we necessarily see at the at the collegiate level and when I when I say excited I'm not talking about energy I'm talking about the maybe some more of the vocal negative stuff that comes out of you know parents where they just get a little delusional with what's happening either in the game or with their child and just in general and and that's fairly normal but have you had the Kind of work through some of that. Um, yeah, more so, I guess, when we first started our program.
3: Now, I think our expectations are kind of out there. We try and keep and work with a certain caliber of a person, family. Do you have rules
0: um, that people need to abide by and yeah, sign and yeah, things when we like?
3: First, when we first start every year, like we'll go through all of that stuff with all of the kids and all of the families, and yeah, it, and I think as we've kind of established ourselves as a program, as an organization. I've dealt with less and less issues. Yeah. Do you
0: have parent um, coaches? No.
3: That's one thing that we've never done. And not that a parent couldn't coach
0: and do sure. a good job with sure. it. I've um, done I've done it a couple of times.
3: Right. But yeah. That's yep. just kind of one of those things where I feel like if these mm-hmm. parents are paying as much as travel sports costs now, mm-hmm. that we should be able to provide a player at the division one college mm-hmm. level or other assets that maybe,
0: you know, just a, just a different viewpoint. Yeah, a different viewpoint. That's and, somewhat more neutral. And I, I know the, as, a, yeah.
3: as a parent myself, if I tell my kids to do something, mm-hmm. they're going to look at me like, stop it, Dad. <laughs> yeah. And if somebody yeah. else says the same thing to them, they're going to listen. So um, it just kind of alleviates some of that, too.
0: Ken, so with the, the added additions to the family and the growing business and things like that, do you still get to get out in the woods and hunt? Uh, yeah, Okay. Uh,
3: yeah. so, well, as, as much as I can.
0: So, is that like a once a week kind of thing <laughs> every day? I uh, mean, it's a, a
3: couple. Uh, I got a good wife. It's a couple times a week.
0: <laughs> okay. That, that, that's pretty solid. That's yeah. pretty solid. Any luck this year?
3: I got one. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. Another quick question is you, I see you in the kingdom a fair amount and you're busy do, typically doing lessons. And I think you see kids from all different aspects, age levels, talent levels, you know, care levels even. You sure. Yeah. And what's uh, is there any advice that you kind of have on repeat for athletes when you see them? Something that, you know, you're consistently telling everybody all the time.
3: It really depends on the age. Mm-hmm. You know, with the younger guys, a lot of times it's reining them in to keep them focused. Different <laughs> kids. A lot of the older kids will have different things that we need to work on um, per that specific player. But I am not real big into the idea of cookie cutting everybody yeah. to do the same thing or their body has to work what the do same
0: you, way. What do you do when somebody says, I want you know coach joe i want to play college baseball and they're a freshman in high school and they're not very good what what do you where do you start at that point
3: well you have to have the conversation with Mm -hmm. them okay like this is where we need to be Mm -hmm. to be able to
0: have an idea because there's still some time at that point there's
3: still time and really at the eighth grade freshman year that's when you a lot of times have to have the conversation about what you got to get your academics in line but your baseball's handcuffed a little bit obviously you guys know with like the scholarship Mm -hmm. stuff like that Mm -hmm. so that's always got to be number one before you even start talking about like the physical attributes of being able to play college baseball Um, but I am very honest with kids when they ask and they tell me hey this is my end goal okay this is what we've got to get better at to get you to that level if you think that that's really what you want to do and it's one thing to talk about getting better at those things it's one thing to talk about I want to play college baseball but Mm -hmm. you've got four years of work ahead of you now and if you really want to achieve what you think you want to achieve it's going to be good days and bad days it's going to be a lot of work mm-hmm. and i know you're going to feel like you're out of time a lot of times but it's what it's going to take if yes. this is where we're at right now
0: yeah. yeah just listening to you that's why the kingdom's been so successful is just that perspective you know i wanted to touch on clyde weir a little bit you know i bring that name up we lost clyde um, not too long ago He was a well-respected scout for the Detroit Tigers for 35-plus years. And I'd see him at at our ballpark quite a bit, usually in the fall. And then I saw him a lot in the spring, too, all bundled up. But he always had a smile on his face. I'd see him in the kingdom. I I remember last winter he was in a few different times. And so I I know that you knew him to some degree as well and um, definitely was – sad to see that we lost him.
3: Yeah. Yeah. He was a great guy. Um, I've known Clyde probably since I was in high school. Really? Yep. Um, he would show up at games and kind of wait around and talk to you. He just like watching kids play ball. Mm -hmm. I remember the first couple of times I had talked to Clyde. Uh, he was the kind of guy that made me feel like I was going to get drafted one, one overall, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. um, he always was, happy smile on his face just happy to be at the ballpark watching different kids play as I started this and started running our travel teams in the facility he was local here so he'd stop by from time to time Um, he'd catch me in between games at a summer game and we'd talk for an hour and a half till we had to get started on another game or something but uh, yeah that was a tough one uh, when we lost Clyde
0: yeah for sure the stars are going to try to do something in the spring for him I'm not sure what that something is yet but uh, he had, was wanting to partner with me on the high school all-star game, bringing that back for the baseball, and, and we'll, we'll definitely do something for him. Um, appreciate you guys being on. Until next time, thank you to all of our listeners and knuckles to Coach Mo and Joe for joining me today in the WLNZ Studios. Stay humble, stay hungry. Go stop. <laughs> Coach Cutts Corner is recorded live in the WLNZ Studios. Engineering and production assistance are provided by the Dalian Lowry. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please share it and follow us on all the platforms of social media. You can find more about our program at lccstars.com, and donations to our baseball program can be made at the same site. See you next time.
1: featuring the faculty, staff, students, and others that helped to make Lansing's premier college what it is today. LCC Connect, Mid Michigan's connection to Lansing Community College. To find out more about our featured programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org.
6: LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Engaged learning and academic success is a priority at Lansing Community College. To help students navigate their educational career, LCC has created a proactive approach to learning and providing students with several academic support services. To find out what's available, visit lcc.edu
4: services. Looking for future leaders we can trust and believe in? Look no further than the high school student-athletes right here in Michigan. High school sports teach young people how to be effective leaders. It begins by making their grades and being on time for practice. It includes learning to listen, following directions, accepting responsibility, being a good role model. And it's about respect for officials, opponents, the rules, and each other. The result, it transcends sports. It gives us hope for the future. (laughs) High school sports, there's so much more than just a game. This message presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association and the Michigan Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association.
1: Feeling froggy? Well, leap into 20-plus podcasts at lccconnect.org. Art Happens Here, the podcast that explores the often curious and occasionally amazing art installations on, in, and around the campuses of Lansing Community College. I'm your host, Bruce Mackley. Listen to this program and many others on demand at lccconnect.org.
7: Michigan residents aged 25 or older may qualify for Michigan ReConnect, a program providing free or reduced tuition to students who have not earned a prior college degree. ReConnect students are responsible for books and fees. Visit lcc.edu reconnect for more information. LCC. Connect.
8: Voices. Vibes. Vision.
1: Welcome to Community Combos, a podcast and radio program from LCC Connect with conversations about what's happening in Lansing and around mid-Michigan. And welcome to the combo once again. This is Dedalia and with me in the studio today is a voice that you can also hear on LCC Connect, Melissa Kaplan. She does a show called Galaxy Forum. Uh, welcome to the Community Convos.
5: Thank you. Thanks, Delian. It's you, so
1: good to be here. You, of course, are not here actually to talk about Galaxy Forum, but you are here to talk about something else that's pretty darn cool. You are a member of the LCC at the Movie team. Am yes. I getting that right?
5: LCC Historians at the Movies. Uh,
1: Historians at the Movies. Yes,
5: All it's right. part of the... the um, History program has several what they call learning outside the classroom programs that they offer to expand on, just as it sounds, what students learn in the classroom. So there's these additional programs that are open not only to students, though, to also faculty and and others awesome
1: and of course you, you we were talking uh, off mic about uh, the team versus committee yes yeah what's your what's your theory on that
5: well I I feel like there's a sometimes a, a burden and a formality to committee, committee you yes. know let's form a committee and figure this out <laughs> and then you know two years later <laughs> not not always I'm, I'm a member of a number of committees that are functional and I mean, productive I'm,
1: so. I'm, I'm on enough committees that I'm willing to agree with you a yeah, little bit yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, team. I do like teams Yeah,
5: team is, uh, kind of brings everybody together in a similar way to committee, but I feel like everybody starts out with a shared goal that is, and I suppose you could say that for a committee too. You know what, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to to reevaluate. maybe some writing about this, just some thinking about this and, and researching. I've been thinking a lot about collaboration and how collaboration can be, how to make it, as functional as possible. And I think team and committee plays into that. So I think it's a good area to delve into some more.
1: I like it. I want to hear about it. Okay. So what exactly did this team put together uh, that we are about ready to talk
5: about? So LCC Historians at the Movies presents a number of films throughout the year via Mm WebEx. And these are films, being historians, they're films that aren't like in the past couple of years. Right. And so they go back and they're, they're films that bring out different issues that cover a lot of different genres and it's set up so that there's a, a historian and then an interdisciplinary co-host. host. Okay. that, and you watch it on WebEx and you're active in the chat and it's a lot of good discussion. This month we are doing something a little different and that we're doing something in person for the first time. And a little and, more recent too. And, and Absolutely. It's a recently produced documentary that we're going to be showing, Mm -hmm. but it shares history that goes back some 50 years. It's a film produced by the Historical Society of Greater Lansing, Mm -hmm. and we're in collaboration with the Historical Society to do this event on February 27th, and we'll be showing their documentary that they produced that's called Pave the Way They Even Took the Dirt. And it is about an hour-long documentary, and in conjunction with that, we'll have a discussion immediately following that will be with uh, film coordinator Greta McHaney trice and with film editor Craig Jones, who is also on the staff here at LCC as one of our video producers. Very good, yes.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And what exactly is this diving into then?
5: So in the early 60s in Lansing, as in you know many other cities, a highway was approved to kind of bisect the city, and yeah. that's 496. Right. And while... The goal was to increase efficiency in transportation around town. What it did was it basically dead ended on either side, what was at that time very active neighborhoods, black neighborhoods Mm -hmm. and business community. A lot of business. A lot of business, and you can still see those dead ends and you can now, you know, in 2024, you drive around there, there aren't businesses, Mm -hmm. it's not an active neighborhood. I mean, people are living there, but it's not at all what it once was. And so this documentary through interviews just focuses on what happened and the impact of that. And I've not seen it, so I can't speak very specifically to who is in that and what exactly they're saying. So I'm really looking forward to seeing it next week, too.
1: Okay. And uh, I would have to guess that the current uh, renovations and uh, reconstruction of 496 is probably kind of prompted the research the effort and, of course, the uh, vision of what this is.
5: And I do know the Historical Society has had a, a larger effort for some time called Pave the Way. That's kind of the umbrella effort where mm-hmm. they are taking a lot of oral histories and some of those are what are recorded in this documentary and, you know, really looking at the repercussions today. And I think you're absolutely right. I think having the highway being improved on is I'm sure, for people bringing back a lot of what happened back in, you know, when when it first started.
1: I mentioned uh, your podcast earlier, but uh, David Sewick, he's also got a podcast here on uh, LCC Connect. Is he involved
5: in this? He is. He mm-hmm. is. Um, Going to be the moderator for that conversation. He's a uh, he has a podcast called Land Stories on LCC Connect, and he's a history professor. He teaches Michigan history here at LCC. So one of the cool things that when the Historical Society reached out about doing a film showing, and they do show films, the goal was let's connect this so that students can see it. Mm -hmm. And so our historians at the Movies Committee, because we are focused on that learning outside the classroom for students. I've connected with many history faculty, humanities, sociology, anthropology. Some are actually, their classes are coinciding with the viewing time, which is Tuesday, February 27th at 2.10 in Dart Auditorium. So they're bringing their students. Others are making it extra credit. Um, They're focusing assignments that support their coursework for whatever they're teaching, but this coming week with that. And so it's very relevant to many classes and what students are learning. And it gives you a invaluable insight. And so David is one of those professors. He teaches weekly, and, and I know he's having his students attend that too. I
1: now understand why the 210, because typically yeah. classes here at LCCs they start
5: off at uh, 10 minutes after the I hour know. or whatever else. I know, I know, because that's an I, unusual time for is. a movie, yeah. isn't it? But yeah. but yeah, 210 will be the start time, and there'll be some welcomes really pleased Dr. Robinson is going to be sharing some words at the beginning and then we'll show the film it's a just a little over an hour okay and then there'll be a moderated discussion that David will lead with Greta and Craig and an opportunity for audience members to ask questions so and it goes till four because that's the class time 210 till four but I'm sure if folks are conversing they'll be able to continue.
1: Okay. We know that uh, the LCC community is invited about to this. What about people outside of Absolutely. LCC? So it's it, it's open, open to the public.
5: Open to the public. No advance registration is required. Absolutely free to attend. Free to attend. Um, we can't allow popcorn in the theater. Sorry. <laughs> oh, but it looks beautiful now. It does. We had our first big event this past weekend. Yes. Um, and it was really exciting to see audiences fill DART because we've got new seats, uh, you know, a lot of uh, really attractive cosmetic change and then a lot of stuff that people aren't going to see but that technically have improved the quality of what we're able to produce there.
1: Very cool. Uh, Beautiful theater. Uh, You can't go wrong with that. And then uh, add into that, of course, a very interesting look at uh, Lansing's history and kind of some of the things that have happened over the years to build 496. That is happening February 27th, 2.10 p.m., DART Auditorium. The parking and Gannon ramp—it's real easy to park in Gannon now. So if you are outside the LCC community, there's public parking in there. There's no fee for that anymore. Right. So a lot of lot of reasons to come see this, and it's called Pave the Way. They even took the dirt. Before we go, I do want to mention because we were talking about David Seawick and his podcast, November of 2022. He actually had a couple of podcasts dedicated to the early stages of this, I believe it, or at least connected to it. Something called the I-496 Project, where he talks with Patrick Sambira. I probably said that wrong, so sorry, Patrick. (laughs) But he was the transcriber for um, the project, a lot of the interviews that they did. And, of course, he also talks with uh, Bill Castanier, president of the Historical Society of Greater Lansing, and it's episode twelve and thirteen of Land Stories. If you want to check that out and get a little bit of a, I suppose it'd be kind of a preview.
5: Absolutely. And I'll, I was thinking I'd put those in my my notes. Uh, the link to that in awesome. my show notes. For That'll this
1: save program. me the time from
5: having to do All that. All right. So <laughs> my my pleasure.
1: <laughs> uh, again, Melissa Kaplan, member of the LCC at the his, Historical Movie Team.
5: LCC historians at the movies.
1: I'm just gonna let you say that every time. Is we that cool? are a
5: great, t- and we are a lot of fun, and and we really encourage folks to come out and see this this movie. Um, while I haven't seen it, I've heard that it is so well done, and it's it's thoughtful, and it's our history here in Lansing.
1: That's awesome. Thank you for coming in and telling us a little bit about it. Thank you. You've been listening to Community Combos, a program from LCC Connect, with conversations about what's happening in our community. To listen to this episode on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org, or find us on your favorite podcast platform. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on Community Combos, email us lcc-connect at lcc.edu. And thanks for joining the combo. Examining the issues and topics that affect our lives from the local level to the world stage. Listen to the programs of LCC Connect anytime at lccconnect.org.
8: LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision.
5: Coming in April to Dart Auditorium, Lansing Community College presents My Emperor's New Clothes by Larry Hsu. This musical play for children of all ages is adapted from the story by Hans Christian Andersen. Colorful, brightly comic, and a truly delightful treat, this lively theater piece is filled with funny lines, hummable songs, and fast-paced action. Performances April 5th through the 13th. For more information, visit lcc.edu slash showinfo. Mom.
0: Dad. I'm in 8th grade now. That means those years of peer pressure are way behind me. From here on out, it's all about good grades and living up to your totally realistic expectations. Alcohol is probably the last thing on my mind. Like you said, I'm too young to drink. When I'm with my friends, all we talk about are current events and boy bands. We're definitely not curious about what alcohol tastes like or why the older kids drink. And do I notice when you have a drink at dinner?
5: Of course not just like I haven't noticed where you keep the alcohol.
0: Oh, and if the opportunity arises to talk to me about drinking, you should definitely continue to avoid it. And if you do bring it up, just remind me that I'm too young. That'll probably do the trick.
4: Real kids are curious about alcohol. 40% try it by the 8th grade. Start a real conversation at underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. Talk early, talk often, get others involved.
0: Brought to you by the U.S. Department
4: of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council.
0: The Adult Enrichment Program at LCC offers classes in watercolor, creative welding, motorcycle safety, photography, and more. All classes are non-credit. Information about the Adult Enrichment Center is available at lcc.edu slash keep
1: learning.
7: LCC. Connect. Voices.
3: Vibes.
2: Vision.
7: Here he is, your host, Jim Irvin.
6: And once again, we are live on location from Rio Town, and we are in the shadow of the Board of Water and Lights famed and now dormant Eckert power station stacks known as Winkin', Blinkin', and Nod. It's in the Rio Town Marketplace at 1027 South Washington Avenue in Lansing. This was a former Essex and Hudson showroom. Isn't that cool?
8: It is cool. Yeah. I, th- I think it's phenomenal. Way back. Way back.
6: Yeah, going well, Essex and Hudson. I mean, it's been a minute since cars. Oh, for made sure. Cars. For sure. <laughs> but I would like to introduce our guest for today. This is Heather Ferrari. Hello. And she is the owner of the Record Lounge, which is located inside the Rio Town Marketplace. Now the Record Lounge is Michigan's only female-owned record store and one of the few female-owned record stores in the country
8: yes yes i mean there's it's growing substantially absolutely
6: Uh, you're always busy yeah
8: always busy but as far as women go with record shops it's getting more and more there's a great website called women on vinyl okay and every week they find another woman who's either Working in a pressing plant, or songwriting, or doing a record shop, so it's it's growing a lot. At, at least since I opened in '08, there was nobody. <laughs> it was rare I had women come in the store. Wow. It was kind of a guy's thing. Okay. So, but after the years went by, you know, it's grown quite a bit now. I've got everybody under the sun. And you're not just
6: carrying vinyl here. I at first I was thinking, yeah, you know, it's a vinyl shop, you know, right. But, it is primarily, but you have other items and you have equipment as well for exactly.
8: sale. Exactly, yep. I've got a great guy I've been working with for over probably 12 years now, uh, Mike Bullock. And okay. he retired technician and that's all he does. He goes to sales, he goes everywhere. And refurbs all refurbs this stuff. Refurbs that everything. That is so cool. Yeah, so one sits in here, he's went through it and it's good to go.
6: That is fantastic. That's really cool. So, as we mentioned, the Record Lounge is one of only two record stores in the Greater Lansing area, right. which is kind of amazing. Yeah. When you consider that there used to be several of them, I mean, I remember all the record stores. There was a lot. Early 90s.
8: Yeah. I and worked at one of them, actually. Which one It in? was uh, Michigan Warehouse Records. Yeah,
6: okay. Um,
8: I worked there from, I was in high school in 1979. Okay. Graduated in 82 and moved away. Came back in '80 seven, and I worked there until 96.
6: It's pretty cool because you are listed as one of the top 25 record stores in the state of Michigan.
8: Well, that's pretty cool. I I didn't know that.
6: (laughs) (laughs) I do my homework. I try to anyway. So how did the Record Lounge begin? Tell me your story.
8: Well late 90s Mm -hmm. i got a job working for a dentist (laughs) so i was a dental assistant for a while okay 99 came around my husband and i got in a really bad motorcycle wreck Mm. and we were messed up pretty bad so i was out for quite a while came back to the assisting i couldn't get up and down a lot anymore so i didn't know anything else but music right Thought I would do it online, do an eBay shop. And I hated it because I like dealing with people. I want to see these people.
6: Very cool. So
8: I opened up a shop with another person, actually. I started it with another guy. And three months into it, he uh, got married, came back, and said, I can't do this anymore. I need a real job. (laughs) So I said, well, I'd like to keep it going. And that's kind of how it all began for me. So that was uh, January 2nd of 2008.
6: I think that's absolutely so cool that that's how it started. Uh, Necessity, once again, the mother of invention type of thing. Yeah,
8: I just, I didn't want to sit at home and be on my, you know, computer all day long. So that's kind of what happened.
6: So your website boasts that you have vinyl from, quote, every genre from the last 150 years of recorded Mm. sound. Okay. That's quite a claim to fame, isn't it?
8: It is, except. It's not totally true.
6: <laughs> okay, well.
8: We don't really have classical. If we do, it's usually in the dollar bin. Okay, so occasionally. Occasionally, yeah. yeah. There there's some classical. I tried selling classical for a long time and it just kind of sat there. Nobody ever really looked at it, went through it, so I made room for other thing
6: Talk about the resurgence of vinyl. I mean, it's crazy. The last, I would say maybe the last 10 years, especially. Oh,
8: totally. When I opened in a wait, there really wasn't much of anything going. Right. You know, there was a lot of used, you could find used for a dime a dozen. Um, new stuff you could only get here and there from different distributors. And then around 2010 is when Everything kind of started popping off. Okay. Bigger labels started to do it. They saw there was, you know, money to be made sure. from it. So, <laughs> so all of
6: a sudden it's important they, to do yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> they got into it.
8: And it really blew up after COVID. We were closed for four months when I came back. I didn't know what it was going to be like. So opened back up and it just like took off. People were, families were coming in buying vinyl. They said, yeah, we sit around, we listen to this, you know, all of us all together. It's kind of a good bonding thing. Uh, they turned their kids on to new things, and the kids turned them on to their kind of stuff, too. So
6: That is so cool. And, you know, I've, I've been in here a few times. Most of the times when I've been in here, it's been hopping.
8: Oh, yes. Crazy. Usually, Fridays are big. Saturdays are our biggest day.
6: Now this is a blues-related podcast, so we have to talk a little bit oh, about for, the blues. Yeah, absolutely. What, what does your blues selection look like?
8: You know, it's it started out where there wasn't much. Okay. Uh, nobody ever brought it in for me to buy. They were kind of keeping all of their stuff, and then, like I said, after COVID, they're starting to repress everything. I think Joe Bonamassa has almost all his stuff on vinyl. Yes. Um. They they go back pretty far with a lot of the blue stuff. And I mean, we've got a decent selection, I think. I've got, I think, two rows of it in a bin. Okay. So there's there's quite a bit. That's
6: a pretty remarkable set. I mean, yeah. it'll draw some people in here. I so. think
8: I've got more than most.
6: My guest is Heather Ferrari. She is the owner of the Record Lounge in Rio Town, the address 1027 South Washington Avenue in Lansing's Rio Town, just a little bit south of downtown Lansing. It's a pretty phenomenal place when you look around. I've actually heard people listening to music here. Right. They, they are allowed to check the music oh, out before absolutely. they buy
8: it. Absolutely. We've got a little listening center here. So, yeah, that's no problem.
6: Now, according to your website, you offer new and used vinyl. Right. Where do you find the used? I mean, I, I imagine, now I did see somebody today bring in some vinyl for you to yes. look at.
8: Yeah, um, usually people bring it in okay. or they'll call me or email me. Uh, a lot of people have collections. They want to sell the entire sure. thing, and I'll come out and I'll look at it and kind of tell you what I think. I like to be fair with prices too. I, sure. I think I'm decently. I pay pretty decent for the records. So, yeah, that's kind of the ways I get it. Is uh, I never. I really. I used to go to estate sales, and I hate it. I really hate going to them so it seems
6: like we, we, they're higher priced right now you know. they are yeah um,
8: mike told me that he well he's there all the time and he said records now are like between eight and twelve dollars if not more and yes. that's almost like coming here and buying I, I was
6: gonna say i've seen that on marketplace people yeah. are on marketplace and they're wanting eight ten dollars twelve dollars oh. for a piece of vinyl and yeah you know, I mean, realistically, some of it, yeah, I could see some of it being worth that for kind sure. of money.
8: but not everything. But
6: not everything, yeah. no. And uh, for people in my age group, I'm 58. Yep. I mean, I grew up on vinyl.
8: Yeah, I did too. I'm you 59. 59 so. There you go, see? Yeah.
6: And, you know, I and then we went to the cassette era, and then all of a sudden, wow, CDs. Yep. But nothing. Nothing can compare to the original clicks and pops and hiss. Yeah,
8: and it's just kind of a cool thing, you know. It's very comforting to me, you know, to listen to a whole album. I mean, mm-hmm. from front to back, and you kind of have to. I know the older albums; there were themes, you know, to them. So you really got to listen to the whole thing to get it.
6: Absolutely. When we were originally going to record, um, I know that you had had headache issue or something like that going on, so we, we had to move it out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But that was on the heels of your record uh, record store day oh, event. Yeah, talk right. about that because I remember the turnout was nuts. Oh,
8: well, that was the biggest day we've had in fifteen years. Wow. So it's massive. As much as I hate to admit it, <laughs> Taylor Swift had a little bit to do with that. Anything she does, I mean, her fan base is just unbelievable. And they'll go do anything. They'll sit there for two days and two nights just to get whatever she puts out. That's crazy. So we had her stuff, but we had a line. God, it took me two and a half hours just to get through it all. Wow. So it, it was pretty amazing.
6: And, and, you know, for people that have never been in here this is not a tiny little space no i mean you're you're in you're in a in a big marketplace an indoor marketplace right if you can imagine a great wide open building
8: yeah
6: and it's it's chunked off into into retail spaces for various businesses
8: yeah yeah
6: um and it's really cool because you got a bookstore over here oh yeah you got the 517 shop over here and
8: then we get the oddities yes cool
6: yeah you got the oddities over there there's all kinds of stuff here so when people come in, you know, you, you look at the record lounge and it's not a tiny place, but it no. was packed on that day, wasn't it?
8: It was crazy. <laughs> I mean, it was from we opened at 10, closed at 6, and it was all day, just going all day. nonstop. Yeah. But it was great. Um, it was the most I had ever brought in for a record store day before. Uh, spent a lot of money, but, I mean, yeah. it paid off because most of it, you know, sold. So
6: what else does the Record, Stou- Record Lounge offer? Do you have any other services?
8: Well, we do have people that come in and play from time to time. Really? I'd okay. like to start doing that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, at least maybe twice a month. So we do have space for that, which we're in right now. Again. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we got t-shirts. We've, I mean, we've got everything.
6: Well, and as we learned when Dennis Preston interviewed with us, You also carry some of his stuff, some of his artwork, which is phenomenal.
8: Uh, Between him, uh, another guy, Nevin Spearbrecher, and Paul Vetney, they all did their versions of record covers, like classics. They did Hendrix, Joni Mitchell, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, where, I mean, it looks amazing. It looks like you're looking at the record. Oh,
6: absolutely. Yeah. So and we it, do
8: sell those; they're little small versions.
6: Yeah. What are that. they like, five by five or six yeah, by six, something like that? They're
8: seven a piece and yeah. everything goes. I've already bought it outright, so everything went to them.
6: Well, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
8: I like to. And do I know that.
6: that you've got some of uh, some of Dennis's posters over there from oh, the concerts, yeah. which yeah. are phenomenal. Yeah. We had a scanning party at my house, Oh. and he that's, brought over over 100 concert posters.
8: He's amazing.
6: He's And he's a wonderful person. He I mean, is.
8: He's very approachable, very, he's just, he's a funny guy, too. He is. Good really sense funny. of humor. Yeah. Good
6: sense of humor. But Absolutely. just
8: amazing artists. I mean, he's kind of a jewel that people don't know about in our city.
6: And admittedly, I have to tell you, I didn't know his history either until... I discovered the posters.
8: Oh wow. And yeah, he's it, been around.
6: It came about as a just a conversation because I thought he was just selling these he created them just to, you know, like mock up posters. Oh right. He goes, right. "Oh no 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 no. I actually created those." And I went, yes. like, "Oh, we got to talk."
8: Yeah. <laughs> he's he's an amazing artist. I think he taught at LCC if I'm okay. not mistaken. Yeah, he does a lot. He's done, I mean, I've got posters some of them hanging up here that he did through the years in the 70s. Started at Sounds and Diversions downtown back in the day. So he's he's been around.
6: Well, I know he was bragging on your place. He was talking about the, the posters and such on the wall. And, yeah. And uh, he said it reminded him a little bit of Sound Diversions and also of yeah. Wazoo down in Ann Arbor. Oh,
8: yeah, yep, and Wazoo. He,
6: he says, yeah, ask her about Wazoo. She'll know all about it. Yep,
8: absolutely. Oh, <laughs> that place is still kicking. He's a nice guy that runs that place. Is he? Yeah. Very nice.
6: I've heard lots of good things about it. So you've had a lot of fun events in the past Mm -hmm. here, including the Dirks Bentley promotion and some really really cool giveaways from what I've heard. Yeah. Where can they find out more?
8: On our Instagram or Facebook page. We keep it updated all the time.
6: Good. What is it?
8: facebook it's just the record lounge and okay. on instagram it's record lounge okay we got a website that you can go and buy new vinyl from and it's the record lounge dot that's wonderful yeah
6: 15 years
8: 15 15 years time.
6: what what do you see coming down the road over the next five ten fifteen well, years where are you, where are you going
8: my husband's going to retire in a few years. You're going to work? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, probably in about five, six years, I'm probably going to retire myself and move on to something else. And I've had a few people, you know, ask about it.
6: And that does not wanna surprise me. Want to carry it on. But, yeah.
8: you, you know, I've worked too hard to get it to where it is. So yes. if I were to just sell it, it would not come with the name. You know, I worked too hard for that. So yeah. yeah, if anybody wants it, they're just gonna have to buy the contents outright. Well, and
6: as I look around here, the ambiance of this space is just so eclectic.
8: Right, and it's, it's so got cool. a lot of me in it. Yeah, know? absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's been a lot of work for sure, a lot of ups, downs. There was a couple times I probably could have went out of business. You know, moving from East Lansing to Rio Town, and it's it's been a lot. And
6: well, it was probably nice to get the separation from Flat, Black, and Circular. We were a
8: block apart, oh, Lord. <laughs> so it wasn't really good for either yeah. of us. So, yeah, it's nice to be in my own little area over here in Rio Town.
6: Now, the posters that are on the wall, are they available for sale if somebody wanted them? Um,
8: some maybe, okay. but most of them I've collected, you know, through the years, so... Yeah. It, got, it depends my, on what kind of mood I'm in that day.
6: <laughs> yeah. I got my eye on BB over there. I'm a big blues fan.
8: Oh, that actually, that was, uh, he came to the Wharton Center. Yeah. And my son and my husband went to that. So that's kind of their post.
6: I'll well, see then. <laughs> maybe I'll have to have you bring it over and let me scan it.
8: Maybe. Yeah, you <laughs> can do that. I'll let you do that.
6: That's really cool. Uh, once again, we are at the Record Lounge in Rio town. The address here, is 1027 South Washington Avenue. We are just located just south of downtown Lansing, um, actually just on the south side of 496. Yep. And and as I said earlier, in the shadow of Winkin' Blinkin' and Nod, which yeah. is a, a storied it's set a of cool stacks. It's a cool
8: place to be, actually. You know, Rio Town's up and coming. There's a lot of great shops down here. It
6: really is. A
8: couple great restaurants. Uh, Ellison just opened up down the street, so the brewery's down there. Yeah. Is that
6: the one that has a pizza place? Yes. That yes. is um, relatives of Bill Malone.
8: Oh, I didn't know that.
6: Yes, that's I, pretty cool. I don't know, son-in-law or so. I, I I feel bad because I forgot. <laughs> we just talked about it when I did his interview. Oh, nice. And um, and he said, go in there, best pizza. He said. If, if you don't like it, I'll give you 50% of your money back.
8: Yeah. Well, I've not been down there yet, but I've heard good things. And Rio Town is a social district, so yes. you can get a drink at any of these places and walk around with it.
6: Which is kind of nice because this is a, it's a small, intimate little neighborhood, if yeah. you will, but lots to offer. I mean, we were down at the, um, oh gosh, the theater. What's the name of it?
8: oh robin theater the
6: robin theater we were down there uh fred rife came in okay and talked about his uh his blues experience and some of the musicians he worked yeah, with yeah that's another nice little intimate place it's
8: awesome dylan has done a great job with that place he
6: really has and dylan is a very personable individual oh absolutely very friendly very knowledgeable And I like the fact that, you know, he left the original ceiling inside its its period piece, so early 1900s.
8: He's just, he's into all of that, though. He loves the history and all of that. He actually had a really cool band back a couple years ago, the Lansing Unionized Vaudeville Spectacle. Really? Oh, my God. So you're going to make me go down and interview (laughs) him now. It was a fun (laughs) event. I mean, it was an event every time they played. It was like they had... I don't know. At least fifteen people in the band, wow. singers, dancers. It was kind of like a little cabaret. Yeah, it was very cool.
6: You know, it's it's too bad that more of that doesn't happen. But I know that he's talking about doing some uh, some smaller uh, music events down there. Of right. course, he did. Fred, you know, hosted Fred. And the thing is about that place is it's it's seats. Is it a hundred?
8: It's not very many. 100. So it's very nice and cozy yeah
6: there. really really intimate really i mean the lighting is decent he's, right. he's set up the lighting very well the sound is is incredible good yeah um so you really can't you can't take anything away from what he's done down there oh, it's no. fantastic
8: and he'll have you know from all of the above hip-hop academy will go in there he has poetry readings he he does a lot of stuff in there
6: that is so fantastic so i've got to share a little bit of trivia because we are coming to the close here. <laughs> Do you have any idea where the towers got their name?
8: I thought it was a contest.
6: It actually was a contest. In 1981, uh, the Lansing State Journal, they had more than 100 submissions by readers in the moniker most as- often associated with the 600-foot stacks, which can be seen for miles, by the way. Yes. I live out in Mason. Okay. Um, Harper and Okemos Roads, oh, yeah. near yeah. that area. You can see the towers from, Oak, from from that Harper far Road. Away. Wow. Oh yeah. My kids and I and their mom would have a contest on Sunday mornings on the way to church to, to see, see who could see it first and that's, I spy wink and blink and nod.
8: That's awesome.
6: So anyway, most do not know that the name was actually suggested by the wife of columnist Jim Huff. Oh yeah. Her name was Daryl, Darl I believe it was. Um, there were other suggestions including Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Faith, Hope, and Charity, Tom, Dick, and Harry, Huey, <laughs> Louie, and Dewey, and Tic-Tac-Toe.
8: Wow. But we can Blink
6: and Nod won.
8: Yeah.
6: And so that's been, for the 33 years that I've been in this area.
8: Since 1981. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a while. But I do remember the contest. I do remember You do that. remember yeah. Isn't that yep. incredible? I was still in high school, actually. Wow. Yeah.
6: That is so cool. It's
8: very cool.
6: Heather Ferrari, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. It was an honor and a privilege to be here and be able to get a little bit of um, a little bit of a taste of the uh, the Record Lounge. Be able to be in here and thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. We will be back.
7: Until next time, keep on keeping the blues alive. This has been a presentation of
1: LCC Connect, a weekly program that features the voices, vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College. All shows featured on LCC Connect are recorded at the WLNZ Studio, located on LCC's downtown campus. Each program is podcast-based and can be heard anytime at lccconnect.org. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on one of our shows, connect with us by emailing lcc-connect at lcc.edu.